Welcome to the Financial Advisor Success Podcast, where you go behind the scenes with financial planner, speaker, and consultant Michael Kitsis to hear stories of how leading financial advisors navigated the inevitable challenges that arise on the path to success and get insight from leading industry consultants about how to break through to the next level in your advisory business. And now here's your host, Michael Kitsis. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the 349th episode of the Financial Advisor Success Podcast. My guest on today's podcast is Olivia Looper. Olivia is the founder of Lexicon Advisor Marketing, a virtual outsourced digital marketing firm that specializes in working with financial advisors to generate a steady flow of prospects. What's unique about Olivia, though, is how she started out as a ghostwriter creating content for financial advisors in their blogs, but saw firsthand how great content alone doesn't generate prospects if there isn't more of a marketing system around it. So she expanded her own firm to begin offering a full suite of outsourced marketing services to make the content actually generate results from building lead magnets and mailing lists to running social media ads to grow the list further, and then writing the emails that actually get readers to schedule a first meeting. In this episode, we talk in depth about how Olivia has developed a three-step process to building a marketing strategy for her advisor clients by focusing first and foremost on clarifying the advisor's message and vision for the firm, crafting an execution plan for a top-to-bottom marketing funnel, and then if advisors don't want to do it themselves, providing ongoing implementation of the strategy. How Olivia has found success for her advisor clients using social media and even paid social media ads, not by trying to get clients to become clients through the uh, social media alone, but getting them to the advisor's website to collect an email address that will be used to turn them into a warmer lead over time. And how Olivia then warms up those new email contacts with a welcome email sequence of seven emails over the span of their first month that's structured to not only engage with prospects, but to help build trust and nurture the relationship with the advisor to increase the likelihood of the prospect becoming a client in the future. We also talk about how after having her son and just finishing her master's degree in English, Olivia found herself between careers and was recommended by her mother-in-law, who also works in the financial advisor space, to try specializing in financial advisors because she saw the need for Olivia's content marketing expertise in the financial services industry. How Olivia experienced some frustration early in her advisor work because she was good at creating content for advisors and helping them get it out there, but realized that most advisors don't know how to draw prospects to their content to sustainably stale their growth. And why Olivia believes that most advisors are too timid about communicating the value of what they can provide to their prospects and that the key to better marketing success is also just about being more willing to share stories of how the advisor has helped other clients in similar situations. And be certain to listen to the end, where Olivia shares how while she was growing her business, she had a moment of reckoning for herself when she realized that she was employing marketing scripts that were too salesy and focused on maximizing revenue and revamped her own marketing process to better align with how advisors aim to help their own clients in the first place. Why Olivia believes that younger, newer advisors can build more successful careers by being self-aware to find the types of clients that they want to work with most and becoming increasingly well-versed in the financial issues those specific people face. And why Olivia now feels fulfilled in her career, she can dive deep into her passion of helping advisors get unstuck and find marketing messages that truly feel authentic to them so that they can continue to find more of their ideal clients and grow their firms too. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Financial Advisor Success Podcast with Olivia Looper. Welcome Olivia Looper to the Financial Advisor Success Podcast. Thank you, Michael. I am so excited to be here. 
I'm I'm really excited to have you on the episode today and and uh, to to get to talk to get to nerd out a little bit on on one of my favorite topics which is which is marketing and 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 marketing with a content focus. Um, obviously I'm a little bit biased since we do this podcast and blog and a lot and a lot of content marketing is a as an anchor our system but I you know, I, I, it's been transformative for us, but I find for a lot of advisory firms, they, they struggle with a lot of the marketing end, I guess in general, and particularly when it's, when it's built around context, I see some advisors, like they, they put some content out there and it gets some attention, but they can't figure out how to actually turn like readers or listeners into clients. Others, they, they make some pretty good content, but it just like, it sits out there on a page on their website that no one really seems to see. <laughs> like it doesn't doesn't really get noticed at all, which means it, it doesn't generate any opportunities in the first place. And and the like the integration of how do we like do something that shows our expertise and then get it out there so people see it and then make it so that the people who see it actually do business with us is like multiple steps of a marketing process that is much harder for most advisors to implement in 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 practice and i I know you've lived a version of this journey from the marketing consulting and outsourcing end of like starting out creating content and then evolving and helping advisors with with more of that proverbial marketing funnel and so i'm just i'm looking forward to kind of nerding out and digging in a little on like how do you actually turn like content that shows off some of your expertise into actual like result results like outcomes new clients business revenue growth yeah absolutely i mean i think that so much has changed, you know, in the past five or six years since I got into the industry. Uh, when I first started in this space, I was really just helping out in the capacity of a writer. So that's what, you know, I have my master's degree in English. Um, I've been a poet my whole life. Writing is really my first passion. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to do some you know, my, my son had just been born a sort of in between careers. I just finished my master's degree and I said, okay, well, I think, you know, I'll get back into writing or maybe I'll just do some freelance work. And my mother-in-law said, she's in the financial advisor space. She said, well, not for nothing live, but there aren't very many writers who specialize in financial services. You might give it a try. And, um, I was terrified because as a, you know, creative-minded person. I'm not super great with numbers. I'm not technical at all. The graphs and charts scare me. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit, but it ended up being really great because turns out in your marketing, you don't really talk about any of that technical stuff anyways. Right. It's more about the, the- It turns out most clients don't aren't great with numbers and don't do the charts and graphs things all that well either. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, from that perspective, I always felt like I was a really nice bridge between the advisor, especially the one who wanted to be super, you know, per, let's, let's lead with performance results. I mean, not in marketing, but, you know, we want to talk about- all this technical stuff and jargon and all of that and the consumer who didn't know anything. So I had taught myself, you know, a good deal about, you know, retirement planning and social security and all of these topics that we talk about estate planning. And um, so I always felt like I was a nice bridge between the advisor and the consumer and that I could make, 
the content relatable in that way because I didn't have a financial service background. So I started out just blogging and this is a 2018. And then, you know, it sort of evolved in the clients that I was working with, you know, needed help with their social media. And then they would get their blog and just throw it on their website. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like, there's so much more that can be done here. Like you said, just throwing it up on the website. If you're not getting a lot of website traffic or you're not, you know, driving people to to view this new article, what was the point of the investment in the first place? And they're like, well, we don't have time to learn that. And can you just do it for us? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. Okay. So, you know, I sort of added those services in as well for the advisors who didn't just want to get their content and do their own thing with it um, for the advisor who needed that, you know, next step. So my, it's funny that you said there are sort of like three parts, like creating the content, getting it out there and then drawing awareness to it and, and leading people to it. Um, because my old website used to say, what do we do? We create the content and we get it out there. <laughs> so we were sort of those two pieces. Um, but then, you know, that would work really well, that model as like a plug-in piece for a larger marketing plan. But a lot of the advisors I was working with were they didn't have a larger marketing plan. I was really it. They were like relying on me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we've got to do more than this. <laughs> we can't just, you know, put up a website and be posting on social and just pray that the business is going to grow. You know, there are steps to take to, you know, we need to set up a customer journey and there need to be touch points and there need to be re-engagement techniques and, um, you know, all of these technical steps uh, that make the content do what it's supposed to do, you know. Um, so the business has really evolved from just helping advisors with the content creation and the dissemination to putting that content to work to actually help them grow their business. So can you can you take us further down the the rabbit hole as as it were about like what else advisors really do need to be doing cuz this you had, you had made this comment like it's not enough to just create this content and then like show up and start putting it out there on social media cuz I, I feel like there are a lot of advisors listening they're like that that's that's exactly that's exactly what I do Olivia <laughs> like that's yeah. yeah that is that is my like I I make the content and I'm posting it to my social accounts like what do you, what do you mean that's not not enough so what what's missing like what else is supposed to go with it beyond i you know i figure out how to make some great content maybe it's myself or maybe it's working working with an outsourced provider or a or content writer like i'm making something and showing my expertise i'm posting it on social media i'm not exactly getting an avalanche of new clients yeah. <laughs> uh like what's missing? What else is supposed to go around that that most advisors aren't actually doing and executing on? Well, what I find for and this is this is not in, to say that doing that you should stop doing those things if you're currently doing them. If you're doing those things, I very much commend you. And I think that the fact that you're out there trying um, what you with what with the tools that you have and the knowledge that you have is remarkable. Um, but I would encourage you to ask yourself what um, how do we how are we going to get the person who is following me on social media uh, to ultimately, you know, the goal for advisors is to book a call. How are we going to get them from point A to point B? And a lot of times that will be sort of a, 
a funnel set up from the social space to bring them into the advisor's ecosystem in email marketing. So we have a lot more control over uh, what we're saying to the person in our email list. Um, We can see what kind of activity that they're taking with our content. But the goal from social media should be to, to collect lead information and bring them into your world, right? Your world Um, meaning email. Email has a remarkably high return on investment and conversion is going to, you know, just blow social media conversion out of the water. Now, can you get, can you get clients from social media? Sure you can. Sure you can. You can spend three to four hours a day on LinkedIn talking to people and having coffee chats and sending cold emails if you want. Um, and you will have some success. I'm not going to say that it doesn't work, but it's not scalable, which is something that, you know, (laughs) I've talked about this extensively over the months of June and July in my weekly newsletter, actually about your 2022, uh, oh man, it was on my desk for like three weeks. Yeah, our, our, our advisor marketing research. Your advisor marketing research, right? So, um, in the beginning as an advisor, you are, you know, bootstrapping it. You are going to be doing all of the things on your own. And that's fine. You likely don't have a budget to spend on a marketing professional or a consultant. Maybe you can, you know, scrape together some extra money to have a like nice lead magnet made or something like that. But for the most part, you're going to be doing it yourself. But then as your firm grows, um, your time becomes more valuable, right? And you're going to have to put system in, systems in place that are scalable and don't rely on your time as much, um, you know, because as you said in your research, when your time is more expensive and you're spending your time doing it, the client acquisition cost gets very out of hand um, right. and almost to the point where, you know, what are we doing here? We really need to reevaluate. Um, so yes, you, you can spend a lot of time on social media networking and try that way and you will probably have some success, but the real, um, place that you want them to be is in your world and we would get them there through email. So that's just a matter of, you know, building something from the social media, uh, into the email. And it can be something as simple as making sure that you have, you know, very clear and direct CTAs in your social posts, um, whether it's, Hey, link to, to subscribe in the comments or DM me to get in the newsletter list. Um, these work really well to get folks, you know, into your world. And then ideally they'll, once they're, subscribed in, they'll receive your welcome sequence, which I would say if there's two things that any if any and every financial advisor in the whole world needs, it's one lead conversion mechanism, um, collection and conversion mechanism, and a welcome email sequence to nurture that person once they've opted in, you know, to your lead magnet or to your email list. Um, so once you've gotten the person into your email list, they'll hopefully receive your welcome sequence and any other, you know, um, prospect facing correspondence that you create. Um, I like to get my advisors on, you know, for prospects, a once a week email sequence at least. Um, So after that initial, you know, six or seven email welcome sequence, they'll at least receive some sort of correspondence once a week. So a lot of my advisors will do a newsletter. So that kind of, that's one week. And then um, we'll fill in with long form sales emails to continue to nurture those prospects and 
ask for the call, you know, in, in the email. Um, now there's another way to do it too, because I, I got, I got some questions on the secrets. I got to back you up a little bit to, to, to social media first. So, um, so first of all, I'm struck by the comment, like the goal from social media should be to collect lead information and bring them into your world, which basically means into email. I feel like the, the general perception, at least in advisor world, and this may be a reflection of ourselves and what we deal with is people are freaking inundated with email these days. So I feel like there, there some subset of people are going to be listening and saying like, really, Olivia, e- email? Yes, email. Email is a much more intimate place. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to get your person. You, you. There's plenty of people who just subscribe to anything and everything and, you know, never check their emails. But if it's someone who is genuinely interested, then they will open your email. And that's, I mean, this is another thing that I also recommend every once in a while is scrubbing your email list and keeping it clean. Now, what does that mean? It means going through and sort of taking those people who haven't engaged with any of your content for a long time and quite literally removing them. If there's somebody who's been in your list for four years and never opened an email, it's probably safe to say that, you know, you can take them out. (laughs) So there's Um, a part of me that's like, but if I take them out, like my list is smaller and I like numbers to go up and to the right. not not Right. Down. But I like small ponds that are, you know, ripe for fishing mm-hmm. rather than large ponds where we don't get any bites. Right. And I think that, you know, when we control what's in our email list, the best that we can, we get better analytics, right? So if we have a smaller pond, we can really see, okay, well, of this group of people, here's the group that is engaging the most, you know, and then we can take the next steps with them. Like maybe that's personal email um, or a re-engagement campaign for folks who haven't opened in a while, but used to. Um, There are different steps that we can take, but we don't have access to that um, analytical data in the social media space. We have that in email so that we can move the relationship, you know, urge the relationship where we, we need it to go. So, so if the goal is getting people from social media to my email list, talk to us a little bit more, like just how exactly do I, do I do that? I mean, what I hear from, from a lot of advisors is essentially like, I'm not even sure either what works or even what's what's appropriate. Like, is it is it a, is it social media appropriate in the modern era to like say, hey, if you follow me on social, you should also sign up for my email list? Or is that like a social media faux pas? Am I supposed to like give them something? And if I do, what do I give them? And where do I give it to them? And how do I do it? Like, just how do, do I actually get social people? onto my email list. Right. So let's back it up just a tad. Okay. Let's say we're still in social media space, right? We're working on building awareness at the top of the funnel so that we have a group of people that we can say, hey, if you like what you're seeing, I send out a weekly newsletter. You know, this is what's included. If you'd like to be on it, you know, DM me the word newsletter or link is in my featured section on LinkedIn or whatever, you know, path that you want to give them to take because there are multiple paths you could take. So, but first, before that, let's first talk about the fact that 
uh, organic reach on social media is very low. That's because advisors got the memo that they needed to be showing up in the digital space. When I started my business in 2018, it was you were ahead of the game if you were posting twice a week, if you had a company post up or something. And it didn't even really matter if there was a CTA. It didn't even really matter if it was personal in nature. It was just like, hey, guys, here, here's what we need to do. We need to show up. <laughs> right. And so that was the first hurdle. So everybody got the memo, which is great. I love this because I love free things and social media is free. <laughs> so Amen. it's a great place where you can build this awareness about your business. Um, but if you don't have a lot of people following you or a lot of people seeing you, even the pulls to your email list might not be that great. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that it's not worthwhile, but of course, you're going to have better success when you have a greater reach. So this takes consistency, right? So I, you'll see even these LinkedIn influencers and all of these people, um, you know, who are selling these products and things online for creators and, and course offerings. Uh, oh, I posted, it took me, you know, I posted every day for six months or I posted every day for three months or I posted every day for a year. And finally my reach got to whatever. So first you've got to get really consistent and in posting. And then I would say, once you've gotten that down, I will take a look at what which of your posts is really resonating with people. So this is going in and looking at your analytics and seeing which you have the most engagement with and really like doing a, an audit of, okay, my audience that I have now that I've curated now based on my activity is really interested in, I don't know, um, Roth conversions or something. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, so you, what you would do is you would take that and you would double down on those, you know, top three areas or something that people are really responding to. And you would sort of up the ante in those areas in your, in your content. So look at what people are responding to. Well, you can even go in your Google analytics. If you write blogs and see which blogs are the most visited pages on your site, um, there are different you know ways to kind of audit your social content and, and your, your marketing content in general to see where you should kind of take things. Um, so be consistent, find what's working and double down on it and always try to then work on the lead collection part. So there's a couple of different ways to do it. Um, you can, you know, in the CTA of your post, ask for the subscribe to the email list. You can offer a lead magnet, um, you know, guides, checklists, actionable things are, are highly recommended. I really don't see consumers downloading white papers. Um, I think. I always recommend going with a lead magnet that is something that is going to give the user a quick win because what this does is creates a positive feedback loop for your brand. So they say, oh, hey, this this guy says he has this guide that's going to solve this problem. They download it. You know, they see this larger job. Oh, man, this is going to be hard to do on my own. I can see why I would need a financial professional on this, but I can do this first step on my own right away and solve this problem. And, oh, wow, I am, you know, now they have these positive feelings about themselves because they've accomplished something. And then they have positive feelings about you because you helped them accomplish something. And you could be 
<laughs> sleeping or on the golf course. You don't know because this is like the what's so great about digital advertising um, and promotion. But so actionable items. So for the lead magnet, so you can just ask them to subscribe to your email list. You can offer um, a lead magnet. Um, so just for those who aren't familiar, d- define lead magnet if I don't come from marketing world. Yeah, no problem. So a lead magnet is like a freebie. Um, I you know that you are all um, familiar with them, whether you know what they're called or not. But, you know, when you go see um, you're scrolling through your phone and you see, you know, your guide to lowering your business taxes, that's a lead magnet. Um, it's a gated piece of content that you have to give your email address in exchange for that piece of content. Now, there's a lot of talk uh, back and forth about whether gated content is dead or not. Um, I will say it is not. It is people still download things if they think that it's going to solve their problem. But because we've we've lived with lead magnets for a long time and we know that 90% of the time we're actually not going to get what is promised, (laughs) Um, people are more skeptical, which means that your messaging around the landing page or around the social post that you're sharing the lead magnet in needs to be spot on. It's really got to speak to the pain point. It's got to clearly speak to the impact that this guide will have on that pain point in the end result or the value that they will get out of having downloaded it because they need to know what am I giving? What am I getting in exchange for my my information? Because they're in, you know, they are giving you access to their personal inbox. So they want to know that they're going to get something meaningful in return. So these are a couple of the ways that we can pull people from social media into our email world. We can also do it with advertisements because organic reach is so low, especially for advisors who haven't been consistently posting for three, six, 12 months to build up an audience that engages with their content. Um, We can use social media advertising. Um, And from this, we would create an ad So there will be a photo or a video. Um, A lot of times we will use a a lead magnet or some sort of other conversion mechanism (laughs) to like book a book, for example. Um, I have an advisor client that just signed up with me. Um, He's written five books, but he's not doing anything with them. So what we're doing is we're building a funnel from his social media ad to a page that speaks to his the pain points associated with each of these books. On that page, the user will click into which of the pain points that is most pressing for them, and they correspond with the books he wrote. So they'll click on, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's receiving an inheritance. Maybe the next one is retirement. Maybe the third one is building wealth. So they would click through, and it would take them – along the designated path for that pain point to lead them to that book. Um, They can download the book or buy the book, whichever way you set up the funnel. And then they'll start receiving a set of emails from you that either depends on the action that they've taken. So if they purchase the book, they'll get a certain set of emails. If they have not purchased the book, they'll get a a different set of emails because obviously the language is going to be different for the person that purchased versus the person that did not. Um, And all of this encouraging them to then schedule a call with the advisor. Um, 
the way the reason that these types of funnels work well, especially ones where they have to buy something from you at first, is that it conditions them to spend money with you. And for all intents and purposes, you might be, well, what if somebody clicks through, but they don't want to buy the book? Well, if they don't want to buy a $10 book, do you really think that they're going to want to, you know, hand over 1% of their wealth to get financial services help? (laughs) It's like a screening mechanism unto itself. It definitely is. Um, And there's different ways to do it. That's just one example. But, um, the point I was trying to make is that if you don't have great organic reach, there are still options with paid social media ads. I will say though that if you haven't, if you are not posting organically to your page, your social media ads still will not be prioritized. So in order to get a lower investment price, right? So when we do social media ads, uh, we sort of measure our, one of our metrics that we use is what is the cost per click? So what what is it costing us to get one person to click on this page and go through, you know, to start into the funnel? Um, and then so and we like that number to be as low as possible, obviously. And, and what's um, a good number in that regard for an advisor? Uh, for an advisor, I would say six to seven dollars is sort of a good um, spot. It's it's not um, a cheap avenue per se. Um, but I think that's a good goal to shoot for. That That's so like I'm spending six or $7 for every person that just that clicks on my ad or that actually like signed up for my list. Oh that, yeah. So that's a conversion. So, well, that signs up. Okay. So in essence, like I'm, I, I mean, I can basically think of it as I'm, I'm spending six or $7 per email address that gets onto my list. Yes. So in the, Sort of sim- simple scenario. If one out of a hundred of those people actually does business with me, it costs me six hundred dollars to get a prospect, which ain't bad given how much money most of us make per client. <laughs> that's that's right, good math. right. So okay, so if you're running the social media ads, um, you still want to have some organic activity just so that your ads get prioritized and you pay less for your ad to run, um, but. So just keep that in mind if you are interested in running ads. I still recommend that you have organic activity. Um, it just helps your so, expenses, basically. And are there particular platforms of choice for where advisors do this kind of social media advertising? Yeah. So we um, it, it really depends on the target audience. And we can tell a lot from past activity where the advisor, if the advisor has been posting to social media, let's say they come to me as a new prospect or a client, um, we would look at sort of what their engagement has been in different areas. And we have a lot of luck in LinkedIn um, and Facebook slash Instagram. They're owned by the same company. So we just uh, cross run them if they have both platforms. If they only have Facebook, we'll just do Facebook. Um, but we, we, pick the platform based on the target audience and where they've had the most success in the past with their social media. So uh, sometimes we'll split it between LinkedIn and Facebook and see which does better and then allocate more towards where we're having the most success. Um, We honestly have the most success in Facebook across the board, um, but there are some advisors who do better in LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a little bit more expensive, um, but the the benefit there is you can get a little bit more targeted. Um, 
there's a little bit more capability for hyper targeting in LinkedIn. Um, but I mean, if I had to say pick one to try first, I would try Facebook first if you were doing it on your own. So I'm I'm struck as your just as as you're describing this that you know uh, relative to at least what I what I feel like most advisors uh, uh, tend to think about and and focus on this is not like we're going to run a social media ad to convince you how we give great comprehensive personal financial planning no, advice no, no, no. and you should you know you should consider hiring us for your life savings this is like cons- it's a process. you know check check out our ebook on how to pick a good advisor and not make a bad decision and i'm just hoping you'll give me an email address like that's as far as we're trying to get at this stage of the process Yes. Okay. So we're not selling overnight face cream. We're not selling, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't know why I always go uh-huh. back to that one, but it's not something with, you know, low stakes at all. So we, I do not recommend trying to run schedule call ads on Facebook or LinkedIn or anywhere, to be honest with you. Um, it is very, very, very low probability of success. Um People need to have an entry point that is less threatening than scheduling a call, somewhere where they can get a feel for who you are and what you stand for. And like I said, the email is the place where we have the most control. So you could, okay, let's say, well, I've heard that you can like run awareness ads to your business page. Yeah, you definitely can. Um, they they serve a purpose. Like if you have a lower budget and you are trying to grow your page, then you might, you know, throw a few dollars a day toward an ad, an awareness ad that, you know, gets people to look at your page. But here's the thing about business pages is that even if people go to them, they very rarely will just like them for no reason at all. Unless you just have just out of this world content that they just cannot live without. (laughs) So what we do is we run the ad to a lead collection mechanism that is less commitment. So joining the email list, downloading a lead magnet, downloading an ebook, buying an ebook. um, One of these ways that we can collect their email address, give them something of value, and then start nurturing them through our email sequences. Okay. So... And and how do I so last question just for those who haven't lived this world at all like how do I so basically like how do I set this up I, I mean like I get you know you you do the ad stuff on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever it is but like where do I send them like do I need a separate email system that's going to like send them the thing and then send them the emails that's distinct from LinkedIn or Facebook. Yeah. So, okay. You will need a landing page first. This is the URL that they're going to click through from social media, whether it's organic, meaning you posted it yourself and it is not a paid post. It's just a regular post or whether it's an advertisement that you have money behind um, paid media. So either way, you wanted to run these folks to a landing page. Landing pages can be made in a couple of different ways. Um, for example, if you have a 20 over 10 site, you can make a hidden page. And with an opt-in form, you put, you know, at the top of it, the I like to put a picture of what the guide is or like a cover, um, what the cover looks like, uh, the title, 
what is included in a very short, like maybe a sentence with three bullet points and the opt-in form. You do not want to give people a lot of options on the landing page. The point is that you, this is going to sound bad, but you, you get them to a spot where the only choice that they have to make is to opt in or leave. You don't want to send them to your webpage because there's too many options. They are going to forget what they came there for. They're going to start looking around and clicking around, which is great. But remember that the goal here is to collect the lead information so that you can get their email so you can help them because isn't that the goal? We're just trying to help them, but we have to get them to know, like, and trust us first. So we have these other steps along the way. So you got to build a landing page. You can do that on a hidden page on your website, or you can get a brand new WordPress landing page made for yourself if you want, or you can make it in your email marketing platform. So you can make one in ConvertKit, or you can make one in MailChimp, or you can make one in constant contact or whatever you use, uh, most of them have a landing page capability. But I will say the thing that I don't like about those is that you're not going to get to use your own domain. You'll get a link that's like MailChimp dot blah, blah, blah with some code behind it. And when it shows up in your ad or it shows up as the link, it's not matching to your domain, which is kind of a trust thing. So I recommend if you are going to go build a landing page, that you make every effort you can to point it to your domain so you can use the same domain or um, do it as a hidden hidden page on your own website. Um, You know, and again, that if you do it as a hidden page, please just look up landing page best practices and follow that. Um, You don't want a main navigation like on your website, you know, you sure you can have a footer with, you know, I don't know. It's just the least options, the better. You want them to either opt in or leave. So social media to the landing page. The landing page is where they'll find their opt-in form and put their information in. And then there you have a choice when you set up your landing page. You can either direct someone to – it'll pop up. The lead magnet will pop up automatically or a thank you page will pop up automatically. If the if I don't like it when the lead magnet pops up automatically. Here's why. Because I want them to get in the habit of looking for you in their email. So I like landing page, user opts in, they get a thank you page that says you'll receive your email soon. Because your opt-in form, now this is going to get a little loop-de-doo, right? Just follow me along. <laughs> because your opt-in form comes from your email marketing platform, it will put the, the user into the, the list that that form is created for. So let's say you have your retirement handbook. And so you create your form in your email marketing platform for the retirement handbook and you set it up so that when anyone opts into this form with this code, they're going to be tagged as retirement ebook subscriber or whatever. That way, you know in the future what it is that they're interested in so you can send personalized content to them because personalized content converts much, 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 much higher than generic stuff. I mean, right. for example, if you are serving multiple niches, you don't want to be sending, you know, hey, you just had a baby. Here's how to start saving for your child's education to right. um, an elderly widow who, you know, she's got way different problems. <laughs> right. So right. the same content is not going to work for the same groups of people. So the you'll have them segmented in your email marketing campaign. So back to the landing page. Landing page, user opts in. 
they get a thank you page. They go to their email where they have an email from you with their download that they were promised and also a nice little note. Congratulations, you're on your way to solving this problem with this guide that I've provided for you. Inside, you will find these details. At the end, you will be able to do these things. And by the way, I'm here to help you. Here's my link to schedule a call. If you're not ready yet, don't worry, because we're going to be sending you our most popular resources over the next three weeks or whatever it is your sequence is set up for. Um, We cannot wait to, you know, kick off this relationship with you. Please don't hesitate to reach out with us if you have any questions or you need help with any of this. So, you know, that's their experience. They've gone. They've seen your ad. They said, hey, I need that. And they go. They click on it. They opt in. They get their thank you page. They go to their email. They find their email from you. They get their download. And also what that does is it kind of for them bookmarks where it is in case, you know, let's say they're sitting in the doctor's office and they download it, but they're like, get called back and they can't read it right now. They know where to go find it. When you do the pop-up thing, they're going to lose it. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not going to go through the effort to go back and find it when they're ready to read it. But if they know, oh yeah, it's in my email. I'm going to check that out, you know, when I come back to this problem. So um, that's sort of the way we set that up. And then your welcome sequence Um, it starts with that first email that we just talked about where they receive their download. And then maybe, um, in the next five to six emails, you, you share some information about that. You're, you're already like five to six emails ahead of what most advisors I know do at all. It's like, if we're lucky, yeah, if we're lucky, there is an email list and I bought some service that gives me emails that gets sent to my clients once a week or once a month or whatever frequency I bought from the third-party service. Yeah, so but there's so much opportunity. What are these six emails that I am probably not writing so far? <laughs> yeah, <Right>. so hold on. <laughs> um, there is a science and an art to writing a welcome email sequence. Um And I like to base a lot of what goes in those based on assets that the advisor has existing or ones that we can create to share. Because I don't want this one asset that they got to just be the only thing that we're going to give them over the period. So let's say this nurture email sequence is seven emails long. The first one is the one we just talked about, the welcome, deliver the asset email. Thank you for downloading. You will learn this. Here is what to expect next. Here's how to get in contact with me, et cetera. Um, then the, the second email um, maybe is I like to structure as like problem and solution. So based on what kind of asset they downloaded for you, whether it was retirement or inheritance, whatever the pain point is, we're going to present a story in this email about this main problem and some possible solutions um, and maybe even a short little case study with it. So they're like, oh, yeah, OK, that's a problem that I have. And I see that there are there's these solutions. That's pretty cool. OK, next. So <laughs> next email, um, I like to. Now, I know some advisors are still weird about testimonials, but they are loud. So I like to do a testimonial email, um, share some feedback from clients that you've worked with. Um, and then maybe the fourth email is going to be um, your second free resource. So um, maybe it's 
Hmm. I'm trying to think of a good one that I, I can only think of my own because I was just working on it. But for example, like in my welcome email sequence, you get a welcome email template, <laughs> how to write your own welcome email template. Um, another free resource is like a blog checklist, like what to do with your blog after you write it. Um, you know, like ways to, to get your squeeze the most juice out of this blog investment that you made. Um, and, and just other little things like that, that can be helpful um, that highlight the different services that you have. Um, maybe the fifth email is about the team or like your origin story of your firm. Um, folks always love a good origin story. Um, the sixth one, we might do like a paradigm shift email um, where we, you know, take some popular beliefs or, you know, ways of thinking about wealth management and sort of flip it on its head. It's sort of a surprise, like, um, I saw I saw a good headline this morning that sort of reminded me of a good paradigm shift. And his his headline in LinkedIn was like, "If you die with five million dollars, I've failed at my job," or something like that. And I was like, "Well, isn't that a different shift?" I really <laughs> like that. Um, so just something like that, something unexpected. Um, and then always the last email in the sequence is going to be very short to the point, and it's basically asking for the call, um, not hey, please book a call with me. I'm desperate for a new client. But, you know, <laughs> in a nice, um, hey, we hope that you've enjoyed all of these resources that we've sent over. It is my, It was my hope in creating these that you would get, you know, a sense of who we are and be able to see some of the value that we offer our clients and be able to um, determine for yourself if you think you'd be a good fit. If you do feel like these services will be right for your situation. We'd love to meet. Please schedule a call, blah, blah, blah. So will they do it? Maybe. Will they Will they not? Maybe. Maybe so. So what happens after that? So Are how, they just going to disappear? Wait, wait. Hi. I've got some following questions. This. So how, like, how rapidly am I sending these seven emails? I honestly, I put the first ones pretty close together. So the first one's going to be immediate. You're going to, you want that one to get there quick, especially if the person's looking to read your resource right away. We don't want them to have to wait 24 to 48 hours to get it. That's why, you know, this must be automated in your email marketing platform for immediate delivery. Um, Then you can set up, you'll set in your email marketing platform, you'll set up your customer journey. And in between each email, it'll ask you, how long you want to wait before the next one sends. So you'll put the trigger for the download welcome email as immediate. I like to send the next email within 24 hours. And then maybe the third email will go out 48 to 72 hours after that. And then another 72 hours for the next one. And then maybe I'll push it out a little bit longer, like four days, five days, six days. Um, But I like to have a cluster in the beginning. It's that old strike while the iron is hot type deal. Um, You know, keep them engaged, keep them moving through it. Um, You can also, I think, set up two options where, you know, if somebody is opening all of them, they can continue to receive them at a faster pace. Or if they don't, then they can go like at a slower pace. So you can branch your funnel out into or branch your sequence out into different um, quadrants or whatever um, based on the user behavior. So overall, I would say the whole sequence within like a month. Yeah. As I say, like three, three or four weeks in total, it sounds like. Definitely to get through the whole thing. And so the idea is just if I'm if I'm, you know, pouring emails into the top of this list as it were, like I'm I've I've got a good 
lead magnet. Like I put a thing out there that people are actually willing to turn their email address over for. I'm mentioning it on social or I'm outright paying for social media ads to get it out there. Right. I'm getting a flow of emails into my list. I'm sending them a seven email sequence. If it's hopefully like reasonably relevant and resonating, some subset of people should actually schedule a call with me by the time they get to email number seven that asks them to to schedule a call. Yes. Now there are there are just for what it's worth, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Um, there are texting capabilities too, so you can actually you. I wouldn't recommend trying to set this up on your own, <laughs> but um, you can also set up funnels from the social media advertisements that um, text people to um, alongside the emails. So that's also a possibility. But now, so what happens after they get the last email? You don't want to just you shoot your shot in the seven emails and then that's it, right? Because some people just aren't ready. Some people might be on the verge of one of those moving money moments, um, life transitions, they're just not quite there yet, or they are interested in working with an advisor. Maybe it's a different advisor than the one they currently have, but they're not quite ready to make the jump. They're in that sort of research phase. So you want to keep them, you want to keep dripping on them is the word everybody uses, even though I hate that word. You want to keep the relationship open and alive. So I, that's why I like to put my advisors on a schedule where each month they have, you know, new sales emails going out to their prospect lists. Um, just to keep things fresh, you can talk about timely things within there, you know, that are happening. For example, you know, the debt ceiling crisis was something we talked about a lot. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Don't go out sending a 2,000-word email talking about the history of the debt ceiling and, you know, <sighs> the 500 possible outcomes and all of these things. But it's a good starting point for that long-form sales email um, but so, to keep relevant on top of mind with these folks. And so for, for folks that are getting started, you mentioned earlier the um, – well, like welcome email templates right. that that you've created. So would, would you be willing to share with folks that are listening the welcome email template if they want to see like what one of these sequences looks like in practice? Yeah, definitely. What I can do is provide you with the link for that. And then anybody who wants access to it can grab it from the show if that's, okay. if that's what you that's, mean. Yeah, that would be wonderful. So for folks who are listening, this is episode 349. So if you go to kitsis.com slash 349, we'll have a link out for Olivia's welcome email template if you want a little bit more of a feel of what this looks like in practice. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, if you need some guidance for the rest of the sequence, um, Donald Miller does a really good job of talking about um, building a, you know, your first sort of sales funnel type deal. Um, So if you are DIYing it, you know, I would go to his resources, the um, so like build, building a story brand, I know is his book. Yeah, or marketing made simple is his other one, and I think that's the one that can give you some ideas for your first sales funnel. And he even has some worksheets, I think, that um, you can fill in with your team if you're just you know doing this on your own to get started. Um, it's a really really great place to start, and it, it does sort of force you to look at some of those things that we talked about about your. Ideal client profile and your target audience. So you said like each month you're sending out a new 
sales email. So at least when I hear that, like sales emails, like, Hey, you know, ready, ready to give me your life savings yet? Obviously we <laughs> maybe are not that blatant, but like, I'm just like in their face asking for their business, which I, I, some advisors are fine with, but I know a lot of advisors, like they, they feel uncomfortable with that. Like it's too pushy. It's too awkward. It's not appropriate. But then you're, what you're describing, like an email about the debt ceiling, that's not a, Hey, are you ready to give me your life savings yet? Like that's, that's more educational. So like what, what, what does sales email mean? Or like, how does a debt ceiling crisis email become a sales email? Like what am I doing? That's going to make that business. Right. So I really like to, okay, well, I just say, what is the anatomy of a long form sales email, right? A long form sales email is sort of what it sounds like. It's text only. Um, Typically, you will receive these types of emails and they won't be like big, chunky, blocked paragraphs. It'll be a few lines with some white space and a few lines. They're easily scannable. They typically tell a story of some sort. This can be related to something personal that has some, you know, something to do with your life, something that's going on in the world. And then we find a way to strategically bring it back to the business that we run, the services that we offer, the value that we provide in light of the things that are going on. So let's say we wanted to talk about the debt ceiling or let's something like changes to the secure act or whatever. And but what why what's the point of talking about it why you have to think why might this person be interested in hearing about it and the answer is always going to be because they want to know what's in it for them what how is this going to affect me how is this going to affect my finances and you are going to tell them your opinion on it of course um but then you can use you know for that's going to be 60 to 70 80, maybe even 90% of your email. The, the, that last chunk of the email is going to be, you know, tying it back into what it is that you do. So, you know, many of our clients have been worried about this situation for fear of maybe this event is going to push us into a recession. And here's why you shouldn't worry. Um, you know, we are always making sure that our clients are abreast of the most pressing financial news and how it's going to affect them in their portfolio. Um, if you have any questions, please be in touch. Um, as always, we're here to help. Conversely, if, you're, if you think that this type of advisory relationship would be helpful for you, you know, please schedule a call with our team. We'd love the chance to discuss it with you and blah, blah, blah. So it's not a whole sales email about you, please. No, don't do that. That will look bad. <laughs> but it's going to be a very um, conversational in nature. Um, we can talk about something that's happening. We can talk about yourself. For example, one of my most popular emails that I ever sent um, was about Mother's Day and what I did over Mother's Day weekend. And then I took that email and that story and the story of myself at the top. Then I, I explained why I shared that story and showed how the different parts of that story could relate to different people who were reading it. And then I tied it into the value that I have, which is writing these types of emails for you, you know, to get engagement in your emails and to get people to book your call. Um, so, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to approach the long form sales email. But when I say sales email, it really just means um, 
we're spend, we're sending some correspondence to the people who are not yet clients and we're adding a CTA for them to book a call. Um, maybe we are providing in the foot footer area, different ways they can work with you. If you have different service structures, um, you know, I know some advisors will do like one-time plans or there's one time and ongoing, and then there's one time ongoing with asset center management. You know, you can kind of, you use your, model to, to build the sales emails, but, um, they're definitely something that takes some practice and not that you can't do them yourself. Um, but just, and, you know, and what am I out. asking them to do? Like be, become a client, schedule a meeting, schedule a call. Like what am I trying to set them up for? Well, since they're already in your email list, we are at this point asking them to schedule the call. Yes. Okay. And, and so, you said um, like each month you're doing new new sales emails. So is the idea like I'm sending clients one email a month and it's, and, and everyone is one of these, like something going on in the news that brings it back to the value of my business in light of what's going on that prompts them at the end of the day to schedule a call to meet with me. And like, that's my email that I send every month or are there, is there other stuff I'm, I'm supposed to be doing as well with this email nurturing email drip? Oh, well, I like to send one sales email a week, actually. Um, Well, not one sales email a week, but I like the prospects to get at least one email a week. So um, some of a a lot of my advisor clients uh, do a newsletter. So one of the weeks out of the four standard month is for you. I know sometimes we have five, but um, I hate five. I hate five. The, those fifth, <laughs> oh, yeah. fifth one e we week months just really mess with everything. Is so much easier to schedule when it's just on four week cycles. So yeah, we're, I know we're, we'll only talk about four week months. Around okay, here. we're we're just pretend in an ideal world we live in the four week months. I mean that's the majority of them anyway. So yeah. one of the weeks, everybody will receive the newsletter. That's prospects, COIs, clients, anybody who's in your email list. You can share your newsletter with. This is you know. Oh, do we still have a CTA at the bottom for people who aren't clients? Yes, we absolutely do. But it is not uh, only prospect facing. Um, It is intended to share whatever you're doing around the firm, share the recent things that you've been doing, stay top of mind. You can provide updates. Even there's a million things you can do with a newsletter, um, which is why I think if you hear the word newsletter and you immediately go, that's not for me, then clearly – you are not subscribed to any good newsletters because newsletters can be anything that you want them to be. And when they reflect who you are and what you stand for, they can actually be a lot of fun and people really enjoy them. So if you are on that camp of newsletters are dead and a waste of my time, I really encourage you to reconsider. They have incredibly high open rates for my my folks and their clients just absolutely love them. So that's just (laughs) my soapbox on that. Um, But so once one of the weeks they'll get you know, the newsletter and maybe um, in the two other weeks, they're going to get that e-blast with the most recent podcast episode you did or the the blog that you put out. Um, and then in that case, we really only have one other week to fill and maybe we fill it with a sales email. But let's say you aren't blogging regularly or you don't have a podcast that you want to send out or then I would recommend, you know, doing um, like say your newsletter and three long form sales emails. Here's the thing, right? And I feel like this is worth saying here as any at any at this juncture as any time, right? Um, there are a million different things that you can do in marketing, and there's not one 
cadence, in email cadence or social media cadence that you can say, advisors, this is the way I have the silver bullet right. in my hand. And only if you sign up with my firm, will you have the answers? It's just ridiculous. And I liken this also to like training in the gym, right? Because, you know, I'm a bodybuilder. So I like to make these analogies. That's my whole like podcast was supposed to be built on. I'm not that great at following through on that. But like if somebody comes to a personal trainer and they're like, oh, I want to get started in fitness. His plan is going to be a lot different from the guy who's been training for 15 years, you know. And so, too, will be his goals different because if you're just starting out, there's so much room for improvement. You're probably going to make some some hit some um, strides pretty quick if you're going from zero to, you know, whatever. And then the guy who's already been lifting for 20 years, he's going to be happy with like one percent, three percent incremental gains, you know. So um, it's really hard to just. I, I really try to stay away from being prescriptive and just give examples like here's an example cadence, here's an example package, here's an example whatever. But the reality is that until someone gets deep into your marketing and they can see what you've been doing um, and where and identify areas of opportunity, you know, there, I, I just don't want anybody to take this advice as right. like the, this is the way, because there are lots of ways and, and not okay. every way is going to work for every advisor. So, you know, the, I, in that way, it's good. I mean, yeah. we can all kind of pick the things yeah. that are going to work best for us I, and pivot if it doesn't I, work. I think I'm just struck that you just, you, you have a process that has a lot more, just as you frame them, sales, emails, in a world where I feel like most advisors have, I mean, truly, like often none, just, you know, regular stream of content, like look at all, look at look at the cool stuff we do, look at how smart we are is usually some, <laughs> yeah. some version of that at the end of the day. Like I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna demonstrate my expertise for you on an ongoing basis. And um and if you want more of this, like re- reach out and and do business with me. Just I'm 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 struck by both like the you know, the, how many sales emails you're talking about and just the overall cadence of emails that you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of advisors mm, are probably listening to this and saying like, that sounds, that sounds too salesy. Like, aren't people going to be bothered that it's so many emails and we're being so salesy? So One is email that- email a week? It, well, okay. Is, is that would- in our heads? Like, I, I mean, I'm just- I'm channeling what I hear. I'm not trying to pass no, judgment no, on okay. it. Yeah, you know, we send ginormous emails every day yeah, <laughs> on the yeah. platform. So everybody does different models. But you know, for, right. for most advisors, if you like, like you know, sending a sales email every month feels like a a, a lot. Sending an email every week feels like a lot. So is I that in like, our heads? Or? Well, I feel like it's a very outdated view, right? So okay. Um. The world is moving so much faster these days. Content is getting digested at an alarming rate. And not just your content, everybody's content. If you actually want someone to remember you, once a week is like a bit a minimum. I mean, mm. yes, they are. I mean, okay, here, here's an example, right? Um, I had a prospect come to me this week. And uh, we, let's say, I guess he started following me in like May or June and he reached out at some point to get on my email list. And so I added him to the email list. 
this was because of one of my social posts. It said, DM me to get on the newsletter. <laughs> so he did. And I put him on. And of course, he got my welcome email sequence. And be, he started following me on LinkedIn. So he saw my LinkedIn every day. And he said, since he, he was very impressed, he said, since we connected in early June, I've received 14 emails from you. And I love them all. I put them in a folder on my desk so that I can reference them when I need to. Why? Because your sales email is not just a sales email. Your sales email is should be adding value. So you are sharing information with them about something that's going on in the world that they need some expert opinion on, or you're giving them a tip that they can use, or you're showing them a different way of looking at things with that paradigm shift email. And so they look forward to reading what you have to write because the sales part is just at the end. And when they're ready, they'll know that what the next steps are to take. Now, you cannot expect people to know what to do next. You have to tell them or ask them, you know, if you're ready, this is what to do next. People need to be given the option of, you know, what are the next steps, understanding what your process is, how to get in touch. You know, these are things that we can't just assume that people know. And even if they could figure it out, you have to remember that we all have so much going on in our day-to-day -day lives. Like I think of like Times Square in fast mode, right? Like everything is just moving so quick where our phones, our um, emails, everything, we're just getting inundated all the time. So sometimes we, it takes less energy for our brain to just say, oh, click here. Okay. I want to schedule a call. Click here. Okay. I don't have to use a lot of energy to do it. And there's less friction. So I'm more likely to do it. Um, so yes, the sales emails, maybe they come once a week. Maybe you send twice a week. Um, if you write nice emails that people look forward to reading, even if they don't buy, they will continue to open it and look forward to reading it. If you don't have a high open rate, you know, maybe it's time to sort of reevaluate what you're putting in those emails. Um, maybe it's time for, you know, a refresh and or, and or what's something. a good, what's a good open rate for advisors that have no basis for comparison? Um, I like 30% is pretty good. Um, we get some that are higher 40, 50%. Those are usually on more client facing correspondence because the, they're already sort of invested and engaged in what's going on. But in like a general uh, email, I would say high 20s, low 30s is a good um, number to shoot for. Okay. And so then in, in that vein, uh, just you know, if I've got a mailing list of 100 people or 1000 people, whatever the number is, like, how many, like, what's a realistic expectation of how many are going to respond to these uh, sales emails? Like, how, how many people should schedule a call with me at the end of the seventh email of my seven, seven email week welcome sequence? Like, how, how many of the people on my list should be scheduling a call with me after my once a month sales email? Like, what's What's a what's a normal expectation in the first place? Um, that's a good question. I honestly I don't have an exact number to give you, mostly because here's the thing about your list. This is important. Um, it kind of depends how you got the people in the email list. So I guess in a perfect world, if in a controlled experimental situation where we got everybody in our email list 
ourself um, from these organic or paid methods. We didn't have anybody else in there from the get-go. And it was only our messaging that we were sending. And it was super clear on all of this stuff. We might be able to say, okay, here's like a good number to aim for. But for example, remember I was talking so about if, cleaning. If cleaning. I live, if I do live that world, what's a good number to aim for? Like if that is my just like I got my list. I built it organically with awesome lead magnets, doing awesome things, sending awesome sales emails. Like how? I mean, what what should I expect? Just most of us, we have no context. Like, oh no, I have no idea if like if I get one percent of my list, you are God's gift to marketing, or if you have one percent of your list, you are a catastrophic failure. Oh, uh, <laughs> most of us. No, that's okay. I mean, no it's idea. not. It's not going to be remarkably high. I would say it's like about 10 to 12% range from that first welcome email sequence. You should see some activity. But um, that's just a period of one month. And those are the people that are going to be ready right now. Do you know what I'm saying? So they're gonna, okay. there might be people who are ready in a year, but it's sure. going to take, you know, just that, those, that's, that repetitive consistency. That's helpful. I agree. It's like if I've if I'm adding high quality names to my list and I'm taking through my email sequence, like having ten of them schedule at the end of their sequence is would be is, good. Really, is good. a reasonable is a reasonable goal. Yeah, it's okay. a reasonable goal, and and that's I mean, in okay. in a perfect world where you have you know, the messaging is all aligned and all this stuff. And we can say, we can for sure attribute it to that. Now, so that's another like argument for keeping your list clean is um, you, for example, you can pay people to go build you lists of cold emails, right? right? You're not going to get that kind of conversion on a cold list. You might be lucky to get 1%. um, Or I think the average and cold outreach is like 2%. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a big difference. Um, right. and also keep in mind, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing that, having, going and getting a list built for your ICP and sending cold emails, but those cold emails are going to be very, very different than inbound warm pros warm lead emails. So they're written differently psychologically, um, just as an example, um, cold outreach, you're going to do better with leading people away from pain. Whereas with warm, um, inbound, you know, tactics, your writing is going to be more, Hey, do this for this outcome. But I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Because people who don't know, you don't want to be told what to do, but we all have an aversion to pain and, loss. So just keep that in mind. Um, I wouldn't add a bunch of like, I wouldn't go buy a list and then start sending them your warm email welcome sequence. I mean, if you have nothing else, yeah, sure. You can try it, but like there are different psychology behind that message. So, um, you know, just approach it a little bit differently. So, so now help us understand your business. Like what, Kick us all the way back. It's like, what do you do now in the context of this whole funneling system that we've been that we've been talking about here? Well, for me, it starts uh, before we get to building out these processes. The first step 
is getting really, really clear on what it is, what is your business vision? What is it that you want out of, you know, you could even say, what is your your life purpose, right? Like, what is it that is important to you about financial planning? What are the types of people that you want to help? And interestingly, I really, I saw an article yesterday, Wall Street Journal, about advisors who are aligning, you know, more with their values and their purpose in their, their wealth yeah. management practices. And, you know, will only work with, you know, clients who are, philanthropically inclined and, you know, want to do good with their money and things like that. Um, And so I think the first step is getting really clear on what your business vision is and what you stand for so that we can share that adequately in your message to attract the kind of people that are going to be drawn to that type of service. Um, So that's the, you know, that's always going to be the, the first step is building your purpose fueled vision. So you can feel good about, selling your service. Your messaging should be so clear about what it is that you do and you offer um, that your ideal clients go, that's it. He, he, she gets me like, get out of my head. I feel seen. (laughs) Um, Then we take that message and we work it into your strategy. So um, one of the problems that I had when I was just creating content for advisors was that they were buying my content and then I was helping them, you know, get it out there, like I said. But we were really were not operating on any type of strategy based on where, you know, their target audience was, what their goals were and things like that. We were kind of just, you know, plugging in. Like I said, it was really better used, better suited as a plug in for a larger marketing plan. But um, so the second step after getting the message clear is to take that message and work it into your marketing strategy. So like I said, there's a million things you can do, but they aren't all going to be right for you and your goals. So we have to identify the top, you know, three or four areas that we're going to pour our energy into. You're not going to go out there and try everything under the sun because you're just, you know, putting a little few drops in each bucket is not a full bucket going to make. So um, we have to really look at what's going to work for that advisor based on the resources and infrastructure that they have when they come to us and then put a strategy in place that's going to accomplish what we hope it will accomplish. Um, And then, of course, there's ongoing implementation. So we typically start this area um, by updating the website to reflect the new message, fixing any SEO er errors, building out any pages um, on the website that need to be built out for SEO, for Google's crawlers to see what it is that you do and what you stand for and who you help and the services that you have and all those great things that you want to be show up for, rank for in search. Um, We got to build out your new email templates in your email marketing platform. And then, of course, we got to set up, this is where we finally get to the sales funnels um, and optimizing the social media profiles to be ready to facilitate those sales f- funnels. And then we keep the marketing machine running each month to keep people coming in. And of course, monitor and adjust over time to deliver the most efficient results. So it's sort of three steps, the the vision, the strategy, and then the implementation. And so how long does this take for an advisor like go go through this process to get all of this created and set up? So the first 
step, that vision step, we're going to be interviewing you and any major stakeholders in your firm, possibly talking to some of your top clients if you're comfortable with that so we can get some real marketing gold from why they chose you, you know, what value that their service brings to them, things like how they felt before working with you, how they have felt after working with you, uh, problems, particular problems that you've helped them solve um, so that we can build that ironclad message that's going to basically be the backbone of everything that we do. And that that period is eight weeks. So okay. um, at the end of that eight weeks, you will have your brand new messaging guideline, but you'll also have the marketing audit that we perform um, on SEO, social, and email, and our complete drawn out, mapped out for you strategy that you can either hire us to implement, we can help you train your in-house team to implement it, or you can take it and hire somebody else if you want. <laughs> it's yours to keep um, after the eight weeks, um, or we can get started with implementation. And at that point, um, there's usually a few upfront investments that need to be made, like setting up the sales funnel, like writing and setting up the email nurture sequence, um, getting that infrastructure in place for that so that our ongoing monthly implementation plan is working. So we have to build the machine and then we have to keep it running. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so so there so this kind of three stage is essentially like the vision step of figuring out how what you want to be and how you want to position the implementation step. We've got to build out the sales funnel, help you write your welcome sequence, get right, get those infrastructure pieces in place. And then just the ongoing monitoring and support. So I guess like, you know, you're helping them write the sales email every month if they're not so writing inclined to write their own sales email and and helping them populate the other pieces of the ongoing drip. Well, we don't help. Well, we help in the way that we do it. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> we're writing all of the emails. We're writing the new website. We're um, writing the ads. We're writing the social media content. So then what ongoing implementation looks like if, for the, per, the point of the advisor, because our solution is very much meant to be like an outsourced partner that comprises a marketing team that is cheaper than having to do it in-house and also gives you access to experts in every area without having to hire an expert in every area. You're in manage each one of them on your own. Um, so each month, what you will receive your new batch of content. So it'll be the social posts that we've made for you for that month, the emails that we've written for that month, the blogs that we've written for that month. Or maybe if you do a podcast, you also receive your podcast notes. So it's August. You've just received all your September content to review, submit to compliance. Once we get it back and it's all approved, we set it up for publication um, in September. And then the same thing will happen in September for October. Right. So it's just keeping um, everything alive. So and of course, you're used to dealing with IBD compliance departments that have a layer of review in this process. Oh, yeah, definitely. So we don't perform the compliance on our end just because there are different, you know, situations. Some of our advisors do their own ADV and they have an internal person who just reviews it. Um, others have to actually send it, you know, like LPL advisors have to send it to someone to get it approved and then it'll come back. Typically, we, 
we don't have issues with compliance. If there's anything, it's like, oh, you know, if you forgot a source here, add a source or, you know, change this word. But we very rarely, because we are all finance writers, um, we, we know how to write for financial advisors. So we very rarely run into problems. And by problem, I mean edits, like they're just minor edits. So, so then help us understand the, the cost for going through this. You said you're, you're trying to be cheaper than advisors that hire to do it in-house. Uh, so, so how does the pricing work for this? Right. So this is, well, I'm just going to be fully transparent here, especially for people who have worked with me before. Um, this is a new model that we have put together based on the problems that I saw with a, our old model and also problems in the industry at large. So before I used to do what, I don't know, the people in business tell you you should do. You should have these productized service offerings and three offers, a high, medium, and low, and there should be incentive for the medium and the high offer, you know, that they get more out of that something so they feel like they're getting a better value or whatever. And I always really, really struggled with that because of what I said earlier, which is, Everybody kind of does something different. So even though I had built these packages, they were all, they kind of all had their own plans. I mean, we still use the same kind of tools like SEO, email marketing, social media marketing, but there were different layers and different um, nuances from advisor client to advisor client because they had different businesses. And so I always really struggled with that. And I think that part of the reason that we moved to this model was to, make it so that what we're offering is what the advisor needs and nothing else. <laughs> so <laughs> we are not just going to just sell you some package of goods because, you know, they work for John Doe advisor client because it might not be what works for you. So the first part, the messaging part, the eight week part that um, runs between 12 and 15,000. Um, for that eight-week period, which includes the interviews, the full marketing audit, the strategy, and a brand new um, brand messaging guideline. And, and then, so you you charge for that on a standalone basis because the whole point is like this is not our this is not our free gimme to like get you into the next thing. Like you're getting the full value. You really can implement it yourself or somewhere else. So like we just we need to get paid for our value for going through this process with you. Yeah. And it's just super time intensive. Like it, you, if you imagine, you know, um, our lead who, who runs the interviews for the messaging, you know, she's meeting with you once, twice, depending how many partners there are in the firm. It could be more than that. Um, she's doing her own research. She's doing her own writing. She's putting together um, your you know, guideline for you. Then we have the SEO lead doing his um, SEO audit of your website. And then we have the email um, marketing review, which I do, and the social media marketing review, which I do. And then I write a the strategy that I would put into place if they decided to go ahead with implementation with our team. So I would say, this is what we looked at. Here are your areas of opportunity. Um, and this is what we would do if you hired us. And these are the outcomes that we we can expect for you or you know, that we hope over the next 12 months. But even so, you know, um, at that so at that point, when we present the strategy with those certain tools that we've identified would be beneficial for the growth of that advisory firm, then we would uh, present our price 
at that time for the ongoing. So like I said, there are a lot of, most of the time there are initial investments that have to be made to get the infrastructure in place. Um, so we say, okay, here are the things that we need to build up front. This is what that will cost. And then ongoing on a monthly basis, if we use these tools and go with this strategy, this is what monthly implementation will cost. And also there, are, you know, there are different opportunities in the future. You know, we can start here and build up to this. Um, so we kind of present different options to the advisor at that time so that they can make a decision that's right for them. And just help me set some expectations, like what's typical as an amount or a range for monthly implementation if I if I do need that on ongoing support? Yeah. So I think right now... I would say the low end is like 3000 per month. And then the high end, if you're doing everything, the legion, the SEO, all of the the pieces that we offer that can get closer to like 10 or 12,000. So it really just depends a, you know, what your budget is, how right. fast you're looking to grow um, and how much we have to do to get to that point in the, in the period of time that you're looking to grow. And of course, there are going to be, you know, warning gut punches ahead because I will be, I will be the first to tell you if you're, you know, I want to 10x my business in 12 months, I'm going to say, okay, we're not going to be the right provider for you because it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that anybody's producing that, that, that level of uh, yeah. accelerated growth, but yeah, yeah. I, but I'm just saying, I mean, I will uh, just be very honest with you if I feel like your goals are unreasonable. And, and of course, part of that is is kind of looking at, you know, how long you've been in business, how how much you've grown in those years, at what rate right. and what you were doing to get to that growth model, um, you know, and then so, making some projections from there. So what what can or should I expect from growth if I'm implementing this? What's, what's reasonable in the first place? Like, you, am I... I, I I I I should be able to get to another you know another three clients this year another client a month is it like a percent like look if you you know whatever growth rate you're growing we should be able to get you five percent higher growth than you've been math is appropriate to whatever the size of your firm is like just how how do how do advisory firms think about what kind of growth to expect if they go down the process of building and investing in a marketing like this. Yeah, so I would say on average last year our medium our medium engagement clients, so those who are sort of on middle of the road packages, not the highest end but not the lowest either, we're signing 18 to 25 new clients a year. Okay. It's a big and number. Most of most them parts. have minimum like investable assets of 1 to 2 million, so that kind of gives you an idea for that. Yeah, say, I mean even even for the average quote unquote mass affluent advisor or gets like a, a half a million dollar client is a uh is a solid client like 18 25 new clients is 10ish million dollars of new assets give or take a little if you're on an AUM model and for what most of us charge on AUM like that's a that's a pretty good ROI given that these are annually recurring clients who tend to be with us for 20 to 30 years like that's that's yeah, very long I mean, that's very very long term profitable for the business yeah and i mean it- 
and from my perspective, you know, I want, I don't think that marketing is anything that you can just stop at any point in your business. Um, and, and even if you're not marketing proper, like say to prospects to build and grow, you still need that client communication and outreach. So it's my goal that I help you find clients that are going to stay with you for 15 or 20 years. And then I will also be with you for those 15 or 20 years. You know what I'm saying? So what surprised you the most about this path of now building your own marketing business serving advisors? I guess how how much advisors struggle with marketing. And I don't blame them. I'm going to be very honest with you. It's not an easy business to sell. It's not a commodity. It's not a product. It's basically a lifetime, you know, knock on wood, relationship. So the the marketing is just different. I mean, traditional methods don't work. And I think that's why, and I feel bad for advisors who try all of these crazy advertisement methods out there. Like, yeah. and because here's the problem, right? Like a lot of these marketing methods and channels were not built for financial advisors. What advisors I think like don't understand is that a lot of these marketing companies out there are not built to serve financial advisors. They're built to serve online course creators or people like that who have, you know, digital products they're selling or things like that. They're not trying to sell a relationship based service. And so I have advisors come to me and say, I've spent $30,000 this year already and I have nothing to show for it. And, you know, say things like, I guess, you know, cheap, you get, when you, when you go cheap, you get what you pay for and I've just wasted all of this money. And, um, it's just, it's a marketing and from a marketing yeah. perspective, it's not the same as, as just mainstream marketing. And even, um, you know, for example, I got pulled in on, um, an annuity product, um, to, to consult on annuity product sale um, because I was from, you know, the finance industry. And I was like, even this, even, you know, product, financial products, selling financial products is different than selling financial services. So, right. you know, it's just, it's, I, I see so many advisors struggle and I don't blame them because which option do you choose? You know, if you right. don't know anything about yeah. marketing, what's the best for me? I don't know. Um, yeah. And I think well, that- that's a terrible place to be in. <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, we saw it in the all the way back to the first version of the advisor marketing research that that we do on the Kitsis platform, and we we did the first one of these four years ago, and just looked at like where advisors spend money on various marketing tactics, and uh, and and like what ROI they get, right? Like how much how much you know new business growth do they get for the the marketing spend they have? Whether it's like we we spend it on SEO or we spend it on seminar marketing or or uh, blogging or social media like all the different places that people spend and and like the number one overwhelmingly dominatingly worst uh, marketing ROI in the study was marketing consultants which yes. I felt really really bad about because I have a number of friends in the industry who I know are 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 quite successful and effective at what they do but then I looked at it and like wow if if the successful ones are that good and they're bringing the average more favorable, then the rest of the advisors spending on not well targeted or not effective marketing are like really, really 
really losing a lot of money in in bad marketing spends. I right? just with the the story you were highlighting earlier, like advisors who say, "I I, I spent thirty thousand dollars on this marketing consultant or strategy and got nothing out of it, like a, a big goose egg." I, I've heard that many times. Yeah, it's over terrible. the over the years. It's very painful. Well, because here's the thing. And like I went through this in my own business, which I think is why I'm so passionate about it now, is that when you are in a position where you want to grow or you need to grow your business and you cannot find the answer or you've thrown money into something that didn't give you result, you can become very, very frustrated and very not look forward to doing your actual job because all you yeah. can think about is this need or this want to grow yeah. and expand and it becomes consuming. And then it becomes a confidence issue. Well, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why am I so bad yeah. at this? Or am I too gullible? You know, it then we have to reprogram our own thinking about ourselves and it becomes really um, something that can be detrimental just to our mental health. Yeah. And something like just growing our business, you know, and so I hated, I knew that I hated the way that that felt. And I knew that I hated thinking about other people feeling that way too. Because here's the thing, when you get in business to help people and you don't have opportunities to help people, that's a big problem. Like you're missing the whole peace, you know? Um, and then if it comes to like financial struggles or anything like that too, that just compounds the sense of yeah. overwhelming dread. And I was like, how can I break out of this, this yeah. feeling in this cycle? And I got kind of desperate in, in one point And I was like, well, I'm just going to do what all the other marketing companies do. And I started, this is very like fully transparent. I really cannot believe I'm sharing this, but I'm just an open book, so I can't help it. So my marketing started to go in a very strange place. I started to sound like all of these cringy ads that you see in your social media feeds that were like, we can, you know, all of the stupid promises, like we can 10x your business. Here is our ROI. It was all about numbers. And it, and I was no longer even talking about helping anybody or what the value yeah. was to advisors beyond just, and I was like, I know I have to take a step back and I had to really look at what I was doing and think about what I was doing. And what I did was think, what is it, you know, what are the types of people that I want to help and why do I want to help them? And that made all the difference in everything, which is why mm. I insist now <laughs> that advisors we work with a have a bigger vision for their business than just generating more money um that that there's a purpose behind them wanting to grow and then sharing that purpose in you know that vision in their messaging to speak to the people that need that kind of help because it makes the sales process so much easier when the client shows up already a, or the, the prospect shows up already a fan, already interested in buying. You know what I'm saying? So what was the low point for you on this business building journey? Well, okay. So it's been – I have technically been in business for five years, but I spent the first – the first year was easy. I don't know. I have this hubris, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, wow, these people are just coming out of nowhere. I was getting a lot of referrals. I'm a good writer. And that's mainly what I was doing then was writing. So 
people who were using me were very happy and shared me with their friends. So I was like, wow, this is great. This is so fantastic. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of just cruised for a few years because I was really into my bodybuilding thing and I was trying to turn pro and I did last year finally. So that was July of 2022. Congratulations. So it's been about a year. Thank you. And so then I was like, all right, I'm putting my focus back on the business. Um, you know, I have managed to retain all of my clients. They're all happy. That's a win. Now I really want to work on this thing and grow it and see what it can be. Um, you know, I'm in business to help people. I want to help more people. Um, so, you know, I want to take it from this great lifestyle business to, um, you know, cause we went from just blogging to, um, now my husband and I, we run the business together. So it, you know, it's, it's our livelihood. It, um, takes care of our whole family. Um, and so, you know, now we're in a place where we're looking, we are looking to scale, help more people and see, you know, what kind of impact we could have, things like that. Um, but so when I first started working on it again, you know, posting to social media, getting my email regularly, emails out regularly, you know, paying attention to my business, doing the things that we do for other people. Um, I had some great success in the beginning and then sort of things sort of trailed off and I started reading a lot. I was reading a lot of marketing books and these marketing books, I think got in my head and I would just, the message that I was sending out was just so sterile and it didn't feel like me. It was all numbers based. It wasn't about the people I was trying to help at all. And it just went against everything that felt right to me. And so I just, that was really the low point when I looked at my own marketing and said, this is cringeworthy, <laughs> you know, and, and I knew that what I was saying was not the right thing because the types of people that were getting on my calendar, because I was booking prospect calls, I know yeah. how to market, were not the right types of clients for me. They were not the kind of people that I wanted to work with. Um, so I knew that my messaging had gone to a place that was, you know, no longer reflected of me and who I am and what I stand for. And I really had to take a step back and say, how can I best help? What does that look like for my clients? And then go and make my messaging again from there, from scratch, basically. So so what else do you know now about just the building and the offering to advisors that like you, you wish you knew five plus years ago when you were getting started in this direction? I wish I knew how important it was for me to look at their messaging because I would just jump in with what they already had. And some were more developed than others. So, you know, they had a clearer idea of who their ideal clients were and stuff, but they still didn't have enough information. Like we had the demo information. We knew, you know, a lot of our clients are in this age range and they're male or they're female and they make this much money. And maybe this is the kind of job they have and maybe they shop at Target, but we weren't talking about how they feel what are the problems keeping them up at night? You know, what are um, the things that are, you know, running into other areas of their life and making them miserable that have to do with their financial life? And how can we help them with that? Um, so that was really when I was able to tap into that. Um, and it was like, it wasn't that I didn't think it was important it's just that I didn't know how important it was. So then when I started working with new clients and we did their messaging first or, you know, rewrote their website first, it was just everything was just clicking. Like things were moving the way that they should. And I was like, wow, this is 
really it. And it makes a lot of sense when I look at it in retrospect, because let's say, for example, it's like going to the doctor, right? You don't just show up to the doctor and say, hey, this other guy over here, like diagnosed me with cancer. Like, can you treat it for me? Or (laughs) this guy over here told me I have kidney stones. Like, can you fix it? Like the doctor is going to do, have to do his own checkup before he can give you a prescription or give you a protocol. And that's very much, um, I think, true of marketing as well. You've really got to look at what you've got going on and refine your message before you go pouring money into it. Because you could throw all the money in the world at it, but without a good message, you're just, the, the needle's not going to move and you're just going to feel really frustrated. Whereas if you do have a good message, um, you're just, you're positioned for success and you're, you're just going, everything is going to feel a lot easier and you didn't work this hard, you know, to become an advisor and do all this stuff to keep working this hard to try to find people to help. Let someone help you with your messaging. Let someone help you get that backbone in place. And I promise the rest will be much, much easier from there. Even if you take it and you DIY it for a while because it's not in your budget to have ongoing implementation from a provider. I mean, or if you're going to go work with a coach or something, whatever you do, all I recommend is that you put, you, you make sure that you have a great, great solid message first. And that is a very focused on your target audience's feelings, what that, what they are feeling, what keeps them up at night, mm-hmm. the things that they cannot stop thinking about and are making their life miserable. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the easiest way to describe it really, but I really wish that I had done that sooner. Um, but you know, live and learn here we are. And I'm just glad that we got it figured out. So, what advice would you give to younger, newer advisors, maybe that are are getting getting their businesses going today and just want to want to get off on a good marketing foot out of the gate? Well, it's the same. You've got to you've got to figure out who it is that you want to work with, and you've got to learn everything that you possibly can about them. So, I presumably should know way more about financial advisors than anybody else, unless they are actually a financial advisor, because that's my target audience. And in order to speak to them, I've got to understand all of those things about them. So I would say I'm very much, you know, I'm going to uh, champion niching down to probably till the day I die. So I would recommend picking a group of people that you want to serve, um, that you're uniquely qualified to help, and then getting really clear on what it is that drives them. Um, all of those things that we just talked about, and then having someone help you with a message that can guide what you're going to do. Because with that message, you can, you know, you can go to someone to help you write social media posts, or you can go to someone to help you write emails, or you can give it a stab on your own. But it's really hard to see the inside of your business from the inside of your business. So I really recommend working with someone to, even if it's a business coach for a few hours, um, to talk through some of this stuff. Um, it can really make a huge difference in anything that you're going to do on your own as you're getting started. So as we come to the end here, this is a, a podcast about success. And just one of the themes that comes up is the, the word success means very different things to different people. And so, you know, the business now is on this wonderful success path for you as you, you lean in and grow and, you know, advisors getting 18 to 25 New clients from a marketing system would uh, is phenomenal for for uh, 
for most advisors who struggle with this. So the the business is in a good place. How do you define success for yourself at this point? How do that's a good question. I think that I would feel successful if I could help other advisors also feel successful in growing their business to help more people like they set out to do in the beginning. That would make me feel really good. Now, you might ask yourself, Olivia, but you just said that your clients are signing 18 to 25 new clients a year. Yeah, they are. I guess my sweets, my my passion, my sweet spot is in helping people get unstuck and so that they can feel happier about growing their advisory business and not feel icky about the marketing they're doing, that they feel that their marketing really reflects who I am, what I stand for, this is me, and that they they are able to use that piece of themselves to connect with those those ideal clients that they would clone over and over again. So if my advisor client feels fulfilled in their work and I'm just a piece of that, that is making that happen, that is success to me. And I will be happy to do that. I mean, I will work overtime every day to make that happen because I know just how terrible it feels when you're in that position to be stuck. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Olivia, for joining us on the Financial Advisor Success Podcast. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. This has been tremendous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Want even more ideas, tools, and resources on how to break through to the next level of success as a financial advisor? Check out the leading financial planning industry blog, Nerd's Eye View, at www.kitsis.com where Michael covers the latest practice management trends and financial planning strategies. And by joining the members section, you can earn IMCA and CFP continuing education credits along with exclusive member content. Get it all now at www.kitsis.com.